And so I'm glad to be here today. And I'm privileged to be bringing the word of God to us today. And so we've dubbed the series Life on Life on Mission. So as we begin, I want to ask you, do you guys remember a, a Sunday school song? I really love it. It's, just, it's called, I'm in the Lord's Army. It says, you guys remember the words? It says, I may never in the infantry shoot there till right in the Calvary. Let's start again. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly all the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. All right, so I love that song. I loved teaching it in Sunday school because it's always hilarious to watch the three-year-olds try and do the coordination. They're like, yes, sir. They can't do it. They can't figure it out. But I love it. Now, we're all excited about winning, isn't it? And being in the Lord's army means that you win. We have a dream. We all have a dream, even as children, to do great things or to be a general. I want to be a general in the army of God. Turn to your neighbor. Just give him a side eye. Do they look like they want to be a general in the army of the Lord? We're talking about living a life on mission. In today's context, I want you to tell me who you consider to be a general in the army of God, or who you consider to be a general of God, and then tell me why. Ask your neighbor, first of all, who do you consider, when you think about the history of the church, who do you consider to be a general and why? Turn to your neighbor and share with them. All right, so I'm going to hear some answers. I'm seeing people are having heated conversations. Um, so I want to hear who people consider to be a general. So we'll start where? Where do we start? I'm seeing Phyllis and her mate. Yeah, let's talk to her, her friend. Who do you consider to be a general and why? Oh, for us, it was King David. King David. He was, a, of course, he was a general. He took many things for the kingdom of God. Anybody else? Over here, we have uh, on this side. Edgar, you wanted to share. Ita, come. Watch your, watch your. I'll come. I'll come. To, don't panic. I got you. <laughs> uh, morning, church. Morning. We thought of uh, Prophet Elijah. Uh -huh. The prophet of fire. The prophet of fire. Yes, because everything he did was fire. He, everything he did was fire. And he was even yeah. picked by a chariot of fire. Amen. So I love it. to us, uh, Elijah was really a general. He was a good general. There's this side Edgar wanted to share with us. Uh, Edgar, name yourself. I love uh, it. Uh, good morning, church. Good morning. I think Paul and I here um, had a couple of generals that we could name. One of them was you, Pastor. Amen. I Pastor. receive it in Jesus' name. <laughs> ah. um, 
then the other group of generals that we thought are the entire pastoral team here at Mavuno and the DG leaders that we have here, Amen. we consider them as our general because right they lead us uh, in the right path and they minister upon us. That's why we consider them as our it. generals. I love it. Thank you. If you are a DG leader, can you receive that message? Amen. Amen. Pastor J.J. had told me someone, I'm going to say some generals that I consider. I consider, in the, when I look at church history, people like William and Catherine Booth, who gave food to feed the hungry. They actually um, fought to free people who are trapped in sex trafficking, and then they founded what is known today as the Salvation Army. I think of Billy Graham. He was a counselor, he was a confidant of 11 US presidents, and he preached about God's unconditional love and grace to millions. I think of a guy called Sam Wigglesworth. I just like saying his name. <laughs> he was a plumber who read, uh, you know, who, who had not read any book in the Bible, but he raised guys from the dead because he believed in the power of God. There's a lady that I admire called Catherine Kuhlman. Have you ever heard of her? She's a beloved evangelist, and she, had, she, she was filled with miracles. Uh, she did a lot of miracles in her time and drew many people to Christ. I think of Enoch Adeboye, of redeemed Christian Church of God. He speaks so softly. Whenever he goes, he does a crusade. I've been privileged to go to one meeting of his where there are about three to five million people uh, at a meeting, and he tells them, lower the volume. And then he says, let's pray. Then he says, Father, I'm telling you, people start being healed as he starts praying. I'm like, what? I love that man. This Miles Monroe that we all know. He wrote hundreds of books. He preached wonderful sermons. We are led by a general known as Moravi Wanjao, who spearheaded for us what church looks like today in modern times. Every church that you go to right now has a, a host sometimes two hosts. Every church that you go to now, the way their worship is done is because his heart was passionate about reaching the lost. It's become normal for our time, but in the days that we started, he was starting something new. I consider one of the, my cousins, his name is Paul Mashira, he works for the Anglican Church. His motto in life is a billion children for Christ. Hey, turn to your neighbor. Because you may be sitting next to a general. Now, when we are asked, why don't we see God's miraculous power at work? Why don't we see God's generals every day around us? There's a man called um, Oral Roberts, and he says it's because many may not be ready to do the spiritual things they need to do to strengthen their relationship with God. They need to strengthen the relationship with God and walk in the anointing to have faith and to see miracles happen. So you can't say, well, you know, that was back then. You know, because, you know, things were like that in those days. He urges us and he says, we are the ones who need to change. Get better, not God. Because God does not change. He is willing to heal and he is looking for someone to work through. Perhaps you could be the next general. Amen?
Now, the life that we live today is shaped by the people who we have been influenced by. And so what happens is that we become the image of the people that we aspire to become, whether in knowledge, whether in skill, whether in sports, whether in matters of faith. Every coach, every teacher, every mentor has practices that they have set up to help the students, the apprentice, the learner, the follower to adopt certain attributes, attitudes, mindsets, skills to help them effectively and productively achieve a better version of themselves to optimize their capacity. This month, we're going to talk about four practices that, help you, that can help you optimize your capacity. This month, we're going to talk about four practices that can, that can help you become a general in the kingdom of God. Amen? Are you ready to become a general? The first one I'm going to talk about was talked about in the, in the video. It's prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. Now, the muscle that needs to help us to grow in prayer is called faith. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 to 12. We're going to read from there. 2 Peter 1, 1 to 12. It's going to get up on our screen. And it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine, power, he, um, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there. I want you to ask your neighbor right now, are you growing up or are you just growing old? Ask your neighbor. <laughs> People are afraid they may receive a, a, it's a low blow. It's a low blow. They may receive a slap. <laughs> it's a good question to ask yourself every so often. We are all growing older, but are you growing up and growing strong or are you just growing old? Because we all know growth is a normal part of life. With Christian life, it begins with birth. You must be born again. This is what Jesus said. But it continues uh, with growth, with development, with blossoming, and then with maturity. And today we want to talk about growing up in faith or growing in faith. I'm going to talk about that in a few seconds. And I'm going to give you four prerequisites to building your faith. All right? But today, first, before I do that, I want to take a moment to begin by giving you two overarching principles about spiritual growth that you need to know. 
The first principle that you need to know is that spiritual growth has nothing to do with your physical age. You can be an older person, but a spiritual infant. Charles Spurgeon said that there are children in the church of God who are 70 years old. But he also said, on the other hand, there are wise, instructed, and stable folks who are relatively young. Say amen. amen. So physical age and spiritual maturity aren't necessarily equal. And that's the first principle about faith. The second principle is that spiritual growth is limitless. Amen. You can grow spiritually as much as you want to grow. We're getting bigger every day. And it begins, this is the, the central theme about what Peter is talking about in the passage that we're going to read about, we've read about. The secret to spiritual growth is faith and faith in what God has provided for you. So here's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to look at our lives, we're going to look at your life, we're going to look at the Christian life as building a structure, building faith. And there are four prerequisites you need in order to build faith. Amen. The first prerequisite is get the right investor. Get the right investor. You need to find somebody who's going to bankroll this project of yours in building your faith. You need to have the right investor. It begins with God. Now, he gives the gift of salvation, but he has two things that are very important because he's given you this gift. He has power and he has promises. Let's look at the verse. The first one is power. In verse 3, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Like, do you know what this divine power can do for you? Have you ever thought about that divine power? The divine power can create the universe. Divine power can sustain the natural forces or natural world. Divine power can heal the sick. Divine power can raise the dead. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. All power. So here's the deal. You can grow as much as you want because you have access to God's power. God has invested his power in your spiritual growth. That's why Paul the Apostle says this, and you guys all know it, in Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word strengthen means his power is put in me. The power that raised the dead is put in me. The power that parted the waters is put in me. The power that took Elijah to heaven is put in me. The power that came down with fire is put in me. Are you a general? You need the right investor. And he has to have the power. And our investor does. What God expects you to attempt, he enables you to achieve by his power. What God expects you to achieve, he has enabled you to achieve by his power. The second thing he has given us is his promises. This is his, his other qualification, being the right investor. Our investor has made promises. In verse 4, he says, through these, he has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, if you're building a project and you have the right investor, he's going to write all the checks. Now, the checks are just promises, right? That's all they are. You can't really do anything with the check until you go to the bank and cash it. 
the check has your name on it, the person's name on it. He fills in the amount, but it will do you no good until you go and cash the check. Now, the money in the bank is the power. The check that's written is the promises. Our God has the power and he also has the promise. But a promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise. You can make a promise, but if you don't have the power to back it up, so what? So after church, I could write one of you a check of a million Kenyan shillings. You can go to the bank tomorrow morning, but they will laugh and tell you, nice try. <laughs> because it won't work. I can make you the promise, but I don't have the power. But I know some people in this church that if they actually write you a check, you can go tomorrow morning and cash it. I won't tell you who they are. I won't give out their names. But they have the power behind the promise. Amen? Are you not saying amen like you are the one who can write the check? Ha! You don't say amen like you're the one. God has promised that we can escape from our old life and we can go into a new direction, but you have to cash the check. You have to actually take that promise and say, I'm going to apply this promise in my life. I'm going to cash in this check. Amen? You can always go to God and say, Father, by your stripes, I am healed. And I believe for it. The word of the Lord says that you are in covenant with me about wealth. That I will lack for nothing. I'm going to cash in that check. Amen? You can always tell how mature a Christian is by how that person treats the promises of God. How do they treat the promise of God? For example, if you're fearful and panicked, it speaks volumes about who you are as a believer. But a calm and confident believer speaks volumes about someone who believes the promise Amen? They believe that if God has written, I can cash it, and I'm going to walk in freedom and deliverance. I can take that promise to the bank because there's power behind the bank. Amen? Behind that promise. So if you're going to build anything of value, you need to get the right investor. Our investor has power. He has promises, and they are great promises. He says great and precious promises. You know that they are great because you guys, they come from a great God. And he's going to lead you to live a great life. And what's the promise? I love this. He says, would you partake? Would you be partakers of the divine nature? Now, I want you guys to think about this. The kind of life you have right now as a born-again believer is actually life in God. You are a partner with God in your life. When you're born again, what happens is like the life of God gets attached to your life. Are you guys thinking about that? The life of Jesus gets attached to your life. That when Jesus says, what do you have? Two fish huh? and what? A few loaves. He says, I'll multiply that. That's the type of life we should be living. So that means that when you face the future, you need to hand you have confidence that says, no matter what comes my way, God's power will be there. And his promises to meet all those promises, all those hardships, all those potential problems along the way are okay because the Lord is with me. Amen? Amen? You need to have the right investor. That's the first prerequisite. Amen? The second prerequisite, so you need to have the right uh, investor. The second one is you need to, the second prerequisite is to building faith is to follow the building code. I want to look at verse 5. This is what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith 
goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now, this is it, good people. This is your part. God's part, we've already talked about. That was in the previous verses. God has given you his power, and he's given you the promises. Now, if you're reading this critically, and I know some of you are because I know that you are well-read in this house, this part of scripture may seem contradictory. It may seem paradoxical because it says, God gives you everything you need. And then later on, he says, now add. So you wonder, how can you add anything to everything? But here's the answer. Growth takes cooperation. Growth always takes cooperation. I must have cooperation with God's operation. I'm involved in the process. You know, if it were up to you and me, we'd have written this part a different way. We'd have said, God has given you everything you need to grow in godliness. Therefore, let go and let God. Now you can veg in the spirit. You can lounge in the spirit and just take it easy, Cindy. Because we're gonna, God's gonna, God's gonna, God's got this, right? But God says no. He says it takes cooperation. I want you to look at the language he uses. He says, make every effort. Another version says, giving all diligence. Literally meaning, exert yourself. Intensively exert yourself. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not speaking about salvation. All right? Salvation is a gift. It is free. That's what verse 1 and 2 are. The promise is yes and amen. The power is there. You have received a faith as precious as ours. It is a gift, but sanctification, hey, it takes teamwork. You don't just sit back and watch it happen. You're involved in the process. Spiritual growth is never accidental. It's always intentional. Paul wrote the same thing, but different words in Philippians 2.12. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, read that verse. You can be puzzled, I did, by it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But in verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's the same thought. God works in you. He gives you the power. He makes you the promise. But you must work out your own salvation. Someone here is saying, I still don't get it. Pastor I still don't get it. Let me give you an example. You can go to the doctor, and the doctor looks at you and says, I've examined you. It doesn't look good. I'm going to give you the diagnosis. And he says, but you require some surgery. I'll perform the surgery, and afterwards, I'm going to give you some medicine uh, to help you recover with the healing. So the doctor is like, you know, he's done it all. He's diagnosed. He's done the surgery. He gives you the medicine. You don't help in the process that far. Do you help in the diagnosis? Do you help in the surgery? I think some of us would be there laying down, saying, ah, you work on that side, let me work on this side, you give me the scalpel. And like, that's kind of how we're looking at it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? You let the doctor do his work, he's perfect at what he does. But after that, when you receive the medication, when you go home, the doctor tells you, take this medicine how many times? He tells you, do not exert yourself a certain way, if you follow those instructions, you will heal well. Isn't that correct? So it requires cooperation. It requires addition. That's why the, the words, giving all diligence or maximum effort, add to your faith. And then he says seven things. He says, add to your faith goodness, 
knowledge, self-control, perseverance, good godliness, mutual affection, love. So far, we've learned that he's giving the power, he's making the promises, but we end up adding the bonuses. Are you guys hearing? He'll give you everything you need to pull it off, but you need to be intentionally at them. So I don't want you to think of these things, uh, this list as some sort of promises where you can pick the ones you like. So I like goodness, maybe I don't agree. I like knowledge, self-control, I like mutual affection. It's not a choice. You actually take all of them as they are. And it's actually progression. It actually saying, so if you have faith, it will produce a life of virtue or goodness. And if you have a moral, excellent life, it will lead to knowing God better. And when you know God better, you become more self-controlled. And when you're more self-controlled, you're able to persevere under the Lord. And when you do that, you become more godly. And it actually leads to a genuine care for people and then a sacrificial love. That's growth. One leads to the other. Are you hearing me? Get the right investor. Follow the building code. Follow the building code. The third prerequisite to building faith is build with growth in mind. Listen to me. You can be here this morning and you're like, okay, okay, I've been a Christian, <laughs> you know, maybe Sarah on the sideline. Uh, I have believing faith, but you're kind of rattling me a little bit here. So I'm going to add a couple of things here and there. I'm like, stop, you got it all wrong. Because the idea here is when you build your life, when you add to your life, when you exert yourself, you're building with future growth in mind. You never plateau. Hakuna kufika. You never stop growing. The word that's in verse 8 says increasing faith. Another version says to abound. And to abound means that it overflows. And that's the idea of this text. You're always expanding. You're always getting bigger every day. For you to possess these qualities, it says in verse 8, if, for, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. When you build with growth in mind, your life will be very productive. I mean, me, I'm taking this to the bank. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I'm like, what? My life will be productive. It says they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. It basically says you will never be barren. There's no situation that can hold you back. You can't come and say, you know what? I've tried Christianity and it doesn't work for me. Uh, you won't come and say, I've tried church thing. It won't work. It doesn't work for me. Because the truth is, it's not that God stopped working. Who stopped working? Who stopped growing? Who stopped adding? But the word of the Lord says, you'll never be barren. You'll never be unfruitful. Now, fruit is one of those things that the New Testament talks a lot about. Jesus spoke a lot about bearing food. It's an analogy of ever-expanding, an ever-expanding life that blesses other people. And that's fruit. He, this word, he talks about producing fruit. He says some of you will produce fruit 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold, right? Jesus told that to his disciple. But the secret thing about getting fruit, he says, abide in me. Jesus says, abide in me. He says, stay close to me. He says, remain in me. 
just like a branch to the vine is receiving nourishment from the vine, just uh, like the, the, the fruit is re receiving nourishment from the branches and from the vine, that's how we are refreshed. That's what fruit does. Then fruit, fruit refreshes other people. And so the idea here is that the Christian life is flowing from you to others. It's always overflowing. Are you guys hearing me? So what did we say right here? Get the right investor, follow the building code, build with growth in mind. And the fourth one is plan for the move. All that you're building for now is going to lead us into the next place. And I read it in verse 11. It says, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where we are going. Build now and move in mind, with that in mind. Build with a move in mind. It says a rich entrance. Another version says an abundant entrance. An entrance that will be supplied abundantly. Let me tell you this. The Greeks, whenever somebody won the Olympics, they used to receive those guys who have won back home. They used to greet them with what they called an abundant entrance. And so the whole town would show up. Songs will be sung. Cheers were there. Guys would throw flowers at you and you would be received with joy. Receive an abundant welcome. When you stand in heaven and a crown goes on your head, you will never regret the hours that you spent in Bible study. You will never regret the hours that you spent waking up at 4.30 for prayer. You will never regret helping somebody come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You will never regret growing in your faith. Because when you build thinking about the move, thinking about the move, you will receive an abundance entrance in heaven. And we are all going there. If you know Christ, if you've been born again, if you've received this faith, you will one day go to heaven and be received with shouts of joy. But do you know, have you ever thought about this? Some people will get a more glorious entrance than others. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says there will be some testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Some will receive a reward, a reward that as a, is a, that's an abundant entrance, but others will be saved, but like escaping through the wall of the flames. How will you arrive in heaven? Will there be an abundant entrance? Will there be angels saying, yes, it's so good to have you here. I'm so glad that you made it. I can't believe that you're here. Praise God, you've done well. There will be shouts and singing because Pastor Jade has made it to heaven. Amen. Some of you, the guys will come and be like, well, I'm so glad that you're here, man. For a minute there, I didn't know if you were going to make it. Actually, Peter and I, we had some bets in this place. We had some bets. We didn't know. You'll just slide in. Right? You're going to go to heaven. And there can be joy, great joy, waiting to receive you. What will your entrance be like? The gains of heaven will more than compensate for your losses on earth. Your gains in heaven will more than compensate for your loss of sleep. Your gains in heaven will more than compensate for your shyness to share the gospel. Your gains in heaven will more than compensate you looking like a fool, but being wise in the eyes of God. Your gains in heaven are worth more. Get the right investor, follow the building code, build with growth in mind, 
and then let's plan for a move. You guys, I find this so liberating and empowering when I read this section of Peter. It encourages me in my faith. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me by his faith and by his righteousness. So what does all this have to do with prayer? Prayer is made of the basis of your faith. You will not wake up to pray if you don't believe that God can change things. Sometimes you come to that prayer meeting, but you actually don't believe in the God that you're praying to. God made the promise and he has the power to fulfill those promises. Prayer is able to mitigate life's problems. It has capacity to ease, to lessen, to, to you know, assure you in a troubling matter. It has capacity to bring restoration, renewal, redemption, freedom from bondages. Limiting factors are possible through prayer. The driver for prayer is faith. Do you believe that God has power? Do you stand on his promises? The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and works. Cash in that check, good people. Elijah was a man who, who, who when he prayed, he stopped nature. He stopped rain for three and a half years. My gosh. You know, when I think about that, it blows me away. When, when Abraham, no, when, what's his name? Moses prayed and his hands got tired. I was like, you mean when you put down your hands, victory is lost? He was so powerful. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Why Jesus died on the cross is that this power is now made available to all of us. What we have to do is cash in the check. Approach the throne of God with confidence. Approach the throne of God with confidence. His righteousness is all we need to approach the throne in prayer. God has made several invitations for us in prayer, and I want to make them to you today. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Call to me. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7, 7. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 13. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Will you make that invitation? Will you ask it? What will it take to build your prayer muscles and to partake this divine nature that has been made readily available to us? Will you grow in your capacity? Now, guys, me, I love that song, Bigger Every Day. It's been my jam. It's my family's jam. My daughter introduced. Next thing I knew, I was in that box. I believe that I can grow bigger. And when I grow bigger, I mean my faith, not my size, right? God, let me make it clear, Jesus. Let me make it clear, Father. I want to grow bigger in my faith. I want God to do amazing things in and through me. I want God to expand my capacity for more. I want to pray like Elijah. I'm like, what will it take? What will it take for us to be generals in the house of God? It means making some changes in your life. I want to invite you, church, to commit to build your faith.
Now that means waking up at 4.30 a.m. and praying. That's what it means. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you come for prayer? Do you come for prayer? It means being part of a kingdom family. Pastor Morini shared at the gathering, I think he's been sharing it. He says, many promises in the Bible were given to Israel, a group of people. So he says, if when you're in a group, that blessing can be released. Can you go into DG and may the blessing be released? Come to church to receive that blessing. If you are here, I want to pray for us and say, become a general. God has enabled us with his power and his promises so we can build our faith in our lives and completely uh, believe in him. Be passionate. Be passionate about your faith. What I love about this whole scripture is that it shows us, and the reason I didn't stop at one and two, because I could have stopped there and said, go to the Lord and uh, uh, believe him, cash in the check. But I love how Paul wrote it because he says, in essence, your growth is for the kingdom. He says, your growth must bear fruit, and that fruit must bless his kingdom. You need to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Now, many of us are here. I love that today when, when, when visitors were asked, where are the visitors? I saw a few hands come up. Did you invite somebody to church? Are you praying for your name? I your visitor. I saw your visitor. We are very proud. Even I'm preaching to myself, by the way. <laughs> I'm a pastor in my head, meeting with myself. Who did you invite? Who are you praying for to come to, to Christ around you? A family member, a friend. Do I know that name? I, I notice these days when we pray, when we pray in the morning, when it's time for supplication, I see people consistently write the names of the people they're praying for to come to the Lord. Are you praying for someone? What I want you to do this month, and the prayer I want to pray this month, is you will actively ask God, expand me. I want you to do that today. Say, God, bring to mind people that I need to pray for to come to the knowledge of you. Think of three people right now. In fact, close your eyes. Who are those three people that you can invite into the kingdom? Who are those three people that you're believing for healing? Who are those people that you're asking God to work a miracle in and through them? And start praying for them. If they are sick or if they are in distress, I want you to be bold this week and go pray for them. Because you can cash in a check. Because there's power and authority in you. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, creator of the heavens and the earth, his power lives in you. Have courage and boldness to exercise your faith. But even as I make this request, maybe you're here and you don't even know Jesus personally. You've never made a personal commitment to know God, to trust him. And if you're here and you want to know God as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to raise your hand that we may pray together. Because the beginning, Jesus says, is to be born again. If you're here and you want to invite the Lord into your heart today, I want to invite you to raise your hand. If there's somebody here in the house that we can pray with right now. If there's anyone.
going to invite the band to come up on stage so we may pray. Become a general. Build your faith. Get the right investor. We have the right investor. He has the promise and he has the power. Follow the building code. And that means moving from one level to another. Build with growth in mind, increasing your faith. And plan for the move. So that when we get to heaven, there will be shouts of joy at your coming to the kingdom. Amen? You know what I love about today? When we started, when we sang the song in the morning and we said, uh, the song this guy sang, we sang bigger every day. I was laughing because they said no limitations. I felt like it says we're taking over. I felt like Robbie here and the band, they took over a, a Nigerian song and made it a Luya song. I was so tickled. I was like, hey, we're here. Taking over. I'm like, I want to expand my capacity and I want to expand my influence and I want to become a general in the kingdom. And that's what it means to live a life on mission. Your life cannot be the same as the average Kenyan. Your life cannot be the same as the average churchgoer. And let me tell you why. In my life, I'm committed to grow. And if you're in this house, if you are in a DG, you must go. Actually, you have no option but to go. And because we are using this family language, where I go, you go. 